Have you ever wondered what divorce lawyers talk about? Well, my guest here today is Hannah Hembry Bell, and she happens to be one of my favorite divorce lawyers, as she's the owner of Hembry Bell Law in Austin, Texas. And I'm so excited to have her with me in the studio today to talk about all things having to do with divorce and family life and just managing a law practice and, and how, how we both are committed to helping families really navigate the divorce in a way that um, makes their life better. Hannah, thank you so much for taking time to come up to Dallas and to, to spend time with me today. Oh, I know. This is so much fun. And I, I think, Jen, whenever I think about um, how we met and how we became such fast, good friends, I think it's because our jobs were both divorce lawyers and people, that can mean very different things. Like I'm sure when some people hear this, they go, <laughs> and feel like, oh God, scary. But for both of us, I think we keep the main thing, the main thing. And I always say I fight hard, but smart. Um, I don't like wasting clients money or, or just resources in general, emotional, um, financial, and otherwise on a big fight and having that collaborative work together um, approach. I, I love that we share that and that I don't have that with a lot of other people and being able to kind of really just humbly and honestly say, you know, we didn't create this problem. We're just here to help. Yeah. And there's some good, there's some bad. And bringing that approach to our clients, um, I love that we both have that. I, we send um, cases up to Hargrave uh, Family Law all the time in Dallas. We don't work in Dallas. We mostly in like Austin and San Antonio and yeah. down that way. And you're definitely our go-to down there. Um, and, you know, it really comes from, from, first of all, you know, for me, it's really valuing family and knowing how important family is. And divorce can be, you know, a really difficult period of transition. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I, want, I want the families that we're working with to, to be in the best position possible. And I know you share that too. And, you know, sometimes you have to have the fight and um, in that case, we do that, but so often it's it's an avoidable battle. Well, and I think people will talk to me uh, about getting divorced, and I always say I love families because at first, when I very first started, I remember even on LinkedIn because I was kind of posting videos before that was really a thing on LinkedIn, and some of the comments would be like, basically, you're going to hell because you love divorce. I'm like, I love <laughs> families, and. I'm always about a family. The best news that can happen is when I get a call from a client who says, we're actually reconciling, we're going to stay together. Because they'll be like, oh, like they don't want to tell me because they think I'm going to be <laughs> like mad or sad or something. And that's not the case at all. I I cheer. I think that's awesome. Every single time it's possible, we will do. And that's one of the ways I think that, and I know your approach is like this, that we can help people end well. And that's the advice you get in the in the workplace. Or we put in your notice and you're going to leave and everything to end well. And so for us with our clients, we're helping you end well. And it does leave a, you know, a, a, the door cracked if there's any way for this not to happen. It's not going to be because our firm, and I know you share this, Absolutely. because our firms burned it down yeah. uh, in order to win or to get the most fees or whatever. We're not like that at all. So we... I always tell people I'm not in the business of tricking people out of their kids or their money. Mm -hmm. So I'm not coming in and trying to trick. I'm not coming in and trying to cause a ruckus. We're really trying to help you end well. And that's because we do care about families. You know, I have four kids, so, and I am divorced. That brings certainly a, a very clear perspective to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. For me, I think a very practical 
perspective to the whole endeavor. Absolutely. And so one of the things I wanted to talk with about today was kind of your own personal journey, because, you know, I think you are a living testament to the fact that, um, you know, life can be amazing post-divorce and, and that comes with work. It comes because you, you make, you know, you prioritize things, but let's just talk a little bit about, you know, your experience and, and how that helps you working with families. Yeah. Well, one of the things I always say, and if you've been around me for more than two seconds, you will in, in you know divorce context is divorce can make you bitter or divorce can make you better. It's your choice. And I chose to be better. Oh, I got a chill when I just said that. I know I'm like in the in the zone when I get the chill. So for me, uh, I got married when I was 21 years old. And I hadn't, I guess by then I'd maybe had a couple of beers in my, actually, no, that's not true. My first beer was on my honeymoon. Beer. Okay. Literal <laughs> beer. Um, I went to a small Christian college and grew up very, very churchy. And I, at that point in my life, I do not think this anymore, um, thought that people who drink beer are like going to hell or something. Very East Texas, Southern Baptist thing. And so I was 21 years old, got married had Dr. Pepper at my wedding, my first beer on my honeymoon because the people on the rafting thing had beer and I was thirsty. There's mm -hmm. nothing else to drink. So just to give you a, an idea of where I was in my life, mm -hmm. so young, I'm from about an hour east of here, uh, east of Dallas, where we're in Dallas today, mm -hmm. um, and just didn't have life experience, didn't have wisdom, didn't have maturity. Um, I was the same person I am now in a lot of ways, personality-wise, so just like make a decision. That's it. This is what we're doing. So that child made adult decisions and got married. And then very shortly thereafter, I was pregnant with my daughter when I was 23. She is now uh, 15 and just the best kid. Uh, and so shortly thereafter, I had two more boys. I have the best boys ever who are now 13 and 12. So married, 21, having kids, right away and really was a baby raising babies and in the context of a marriage. And what ended up happening over the years, and for anybody who's had that many little kids, you know, and you know, most moms, uh, we can relate to this, but particularly with that many so small, you are just surviving. That's it. You're just trying to, to make it. And I was in that space for I want to say about five years because either pregnant, breastfeeding somebody or changing somebody's diaper for over five years. Yeah. And that puts you in a survival mode. And so then what ended up happening was I started to come out. It wasn't quite as survival mode at the time. And much ado, I ended up going to law school at St. Mary's in San Antonio. And through that process, because I'd kind of had, had a recruiting business and had some success at work, I'd had an, I was an entrepreneur. I've always been an entrepreneur. I always say I'm building something out of nothing. Uh -huh. And I was building something out of nothing with my recruiting business, but I didn't feel fulfilled. I didn't feel like this is my calling, this is my destiny, whatever. So I got my MBA along the way, and that was helpful, but it still wasn't the thing. And I went back and got into law school at St. Mary's. And that is really the left turn in my life. I don't even think of it as a fork in the road. It's like a left turn. Mm -hmm. And I just kissed the ground every day that, that uh, I was able to do that. And with kids, and it was, it was wild and it was hard. But what started happening, and I think a lot of people, especially who get married in your 20s, go through this experience. 
if you start to grow and your partner doesn't and you start to change and they don't, that because you took a left turn and they kept going straight before you know it, you're right. so very far apart. And it was it was difficult. The the probably the net 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 of the whole thing was a very bad match. Uh, a couple kids who should have gone on a couple dates and went on about their lives, not yeah. you know gotten married. Uh, the wonderful part of that is I have three of the best kids there are on the planet um, as a result. But I when I went to law school. I started really becoming myself. Sort of those layers of the onion started to strip away. And I felt that I uh, was awakening. I, and awakening seems like sort of like more purple flowy than I mean. I just mean like, ooh, waking up, like fog off my Sure. Eyes. I mean, I think, you know, for so many of us um, as young adults, you're, you're living uh, under everybody else's expectations of what your life should look like. Mm -hmm. And there comes a point in, as, you know, you kind of, kind of grow that moment of growing up when you really realize that, oh, this is what I want and desire in my life. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that question, I've thought about it this morning. Um, I think that none of us, I mean, most of us anyway, I'm sure there's some of us, need to stop and ask ourselves is, what do I want? Mm -hmm. I only recently, like as in the last nine months, started asking myself that question, honestly. Mm -hmm. Because I was a baby who had babies, then I had to do kids. One time I was in law school and uh, my little friend Dana, because um, I would go to school, I commuted an hour and 20 minutes. I had three kids. I was home you know, my first year to make dinner most of the days. And and she'd say, you know, Hannah, and I remember in the law library one time she said, Hannah, I just don't know how you do it. I just don't know how you do it. Whenever it's all this reading and stuff you've got to do, I just don't. She said, I just don't feel like doing it some days. I just can't. <laughs> and I said, no, Dana. I haven't asked myself what I feel like doing <laughs> for the day in years. So there's, it's not relevant. What do I want to do? What do I feel like doing? I'm just doing what I got to do in front of me when you're yeah. in that survival mode. Right. So what hap started happening was uh, who I was in my heart began to come forward and match up who I was in my, my practical life. But that was at law school, an hour and 20 minutes from my home. Mm -hmm. And then I'd go back home and I, I would allowed myself to feel. I used to say made to feel, but I'm not the victim, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I allowed myself to feel a little bit stupid, a little bit silly, a little bit irresponsible, uh, all wrong all the time. That's how I felt when I went home. But then when I was at law school, everybody acted like I was like a fairy law school fairy princess and so sweet to me. <laughs> and like uh, my teachers loved me. I'm a good little student. You know, they say in law school, gunner. So boop, 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 my little hand just go up all the time. Yeah. I'm very prepared because when I went to school, I really thought, I mean, this is just so, it, I think divorce often unearths this whole other issue that was going on. It was my total lack of self worth and like self-respect mm. the relationship i mean that's what i think can in a in in the unhealthy part of many relationships unfortunately i think that that self-worth is something that maybe especially as women can can be a real struggle to find it was because for me um i as i grew and kind of got my muscles under me in law school mm -hmm. of wait a minute because here i'm this person and treated like this when i go to school and I'm, this person treated like this when I go home. Wait a minute. I, the people at school are right. 
he's wrong. Mm -hmm. The person I am here is who I really am. That other person is like a shadow in a shell, like a like a cicada, right? That left their their uh, their uh, shell behind. Uh -huh. um, that's how I felt. And then once I, I always have had this knowing, mm -hmm. and once I know, I cannot unknow. I can't unknow things ever. I don't. I, my brain doesn't allow me to move so, on. So so you so that knowing it was that that moment of knowing that the marriage isn't going to continue to work. Yeah, I think I I think if I'm honest. The, the knowing was that my now ex-husband was never going to be different. And no matter what I did, no matter how much I demanded, cajoled, et cetera. And in hindsight, look, I should have allowed and been, and been more understanding and respectful of that. Just like acknowledge this is wrong. Oh, because that what happens is this, this, the tension that's created in trying to make somebody into something that they're not. Yes. And trying to get him to, now that you found who you are over here and you're wanting to come here and have him meet you there, but that's not who he is. And some people just can't or won't. Yeah. And there was just such a mismatch. So it's like being mad at an apple for not being an orange. When that was, that was just always just an apple. Yeah. And not, maybe I don't really care for apples, clearly. Um, but you know, it's interesting because I've talked about this this journey so much over the years. Just in my job, I talk about it. I talk about it very differently now. This last nine months of sort of growth I've been going through to say, wait a minute, really? I mean, there was a lot of bad shit that went down, but at the at the root of this is two people who shouldn't have been together. Mm -hmm. And if both of us would have been more owning that sooner and had I had more self worth and self respect and said no. I will not be treated in like this. This is how I'll be treated. Those standards and that level of taking up for myself and that voice. Mm -hmm. Had I found that in a long time ago, I mean, we've been probably a divorce of six months in, right? <laughs> or never gotten married in the first place. But so it's on me too, right? It's on me that I had, I made the decision to get married at 21 before I had done any of the personal work I needed to do to get to know myself, to become who I was to make that uh, that effort to do that and then to kind of dump all this on another person. I was mm -hmm. talking with a friend of mine um, who was, was talking about dating in his um, 30s now and how so many women, I thought this was very insightful, so many women um, get are unhappy in one way or the other or unfulfilled or dissatisfied in some way. So then they get into a relationship. And they think the relationship is going to be the key that unlocks their door to happiness. And so they put all this pressure and dump everything on the relationship. And then things kind of settle. And then they're still that same person on right. the other side. Yeah. So I think that's what happens in marriages is we go in not having, you know, unearthed us. Then we expect the other person to fulfill all of our needs. <laughs> and then they don't. And they have their own issues. And then we're left on the other side. And we're, <laughs> we're left in that, that, that state of conflict um, so often when we're trying to get the other person to fill our bucket. Mm -hmm. and, and it's that aha moment of, oh, it's not their job to, to make me feel okay about myself. That's really my work. Yeah. And that, I mean, I'm still... Mm -hmm. learning that. Oof. I have a lot of it because it's like you have expectations and you have standards and what is what are the difference in that? And the way I think of it is you know, what disappointment 
um, arises when we have unmet expectations. Mm-hmm. And I definitely had unmet expectations in my marriage. Um, pro- very unrealistic expectations, both in a way that I think is fair and unfair, meaning expecting someone sure. to be different than they were, but also just, you know, some baseline things that should have been that weren't. Um, I'm not going to let them off the hook. <laughs> right. Um, but the the other piece of it is just that sort of self-contentment that allows those – a lot of people get married who should never got married. And so they stay in these relationships way longer than they should have when really what you should you know my advice would be to come into any relationship especially if you're if you're marriage minded if you're looking for that life partner marriage or otherwise um that life partner person hey let's make a deal especially if you're adults which i recommend being an adult before you make this decision like at least 30 um and I'll let you know when I realize you're not the life partner for me and you make me let me know. And we're both going to support each other in that decision and be grateful that neither one of us wasted each other's time or heart energy anymore. If we could be there, but that takes a a real fortitude and like oomph inside you to say, I'm okay. I'll be okay if I'm not with this person. I don't need someone else to fulfill or change me. I am enough and complete in a whole circle on my own. And really what marriage looks like when you are, you know, choosing every day to be in the marriage, it's it's a completely different experience than I'm stuck in this marriage and I don't know how to get out and I don't want to be here. You know, like when you realize you, you have the freedom, you, you know, nowadays people have the freedom to end a marriage. And there are a lot of reasons why they don't. And we can talk about some of those things. But, um, you know, I think when when you when you really look at your marriage, is that it's two free people who are choosing to stay in the marriage, um, and it's a choice that you honor and respect. It's a, just a very different dynamic, a different type of relationship. Well, and the divorce will go better if you're those kinds of people. Your divorce can end well. It's going to save you money, time, and heartache if you both have that level of maturity. But hurt people hurt people. That's yeah. And usually marriage is two hurt people getting together who've not worked through that. And so they're going to hurt until it becomes this all-out war. The way I think of marriage, when I try to describe it, I took in, in law school a bunch of international law classes. Mm-hmm. And marriage is like international law. So you have two sovereign nations who choose through a treaty, right? This marriage relationship (laughs) to interact and give up a little bit of their sovereignty to interact versus I think people think of it more like um, one jurisdiction with like the federal government and the state government, right? One power over the other. And this requirement, we're all within the same jurisdiction. So you have to, I think men are worse at this men in their first marriage in my experience. uh, They think that woman's always going to be there. She, in some ways, I think it goes back to a little bit, even if, if they don't think this consciously, some part of their core thinks that a little bit she's his property. Mm-hmm. And that she, like in the old times, because we were, we were their property, right? We couldn't even get credit until the 70s. Right. Um, <laughs> and so I think that if you, if you reconceptualize marriage, not as you're in one jurisdiction with the federal and state government sort of hierarchy, but instead we're basically like, you know, uh, France and the U.S., to the extent we have treaties, to the extent we work together, it's because we want to, and mm-hmm. we choose it. That's the that's the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. And I think guys, whoever might be watching this, in their first marriage, I see this mistake all the time. They don't make it in their second marriage if they've made any kind of growth of uh, this notion that like she doesn't have to be there. She's not under your jurisdiction. Uh, Cause so, oh my God, they kill me. 
the guys who come in and they're like, I'm shocked. I, this came out of nowhere. What a surprise. She's leaving me. And I just say to them, I mean, I sit there and I just roll my eyes. Like there is not, I mean, I'm not saying there can't be an exception where that happens, mm -hmm. but generally speaking, Jen, I know you know this. Oh yeah. Women do not just wake up and say, especially women with children. I think I'm going to just surprise and get divorced. I think today I'm going to get divorced. Sort of like Elle Woods. I'm like, I think I'll go to law school. Right. right? Women do not say, I think I'll get divorced. Especially women with kids. It is this erosion of personhood, of respect, of dignity, of concern, of affection over years. Over years. Guaranteed. That woman has been telling you, this, this, and this has to be different or else we're done. Or else I'm leaving. And often the man don't believe her. So she's packed her bags. And going. And then he says, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'll go to counseling. I'll take you on date night. He does everything she wished he would have been doing for the last five years. But it's too late. It's, it's too, too late. late. Her sure give a damn sad. is busted. You've done it. <laughs> if a woman gets to that point yeah. where she's ready to file for divorce for you and she's got minor children, pretty much she ain't going to undo that. She already has a new plan. She's already worked around in her life. She's like... A, B tested that she's going to be okay without you and that her and her kids, like while you were on your work trips or whatever, she's made sure she can run the home. She's made sure she can bring her own groceries in. She's made sure she's got enough money. So anyway, this is not man bashing at all. Like I think there's a whole different thing that women do, which went, you know, wrong um, in the marriage too, but that's what I see a lot of times. But at the end of the day, I think um, when I think about marriage, thinking about it as two people who choose to be in the relationship and if at some point they're going to unchoose to be in the relationship, if you can sort of respect and just say like, look, you're a nation state. I want you to do what you want to. Because like a lot of times it'll come up with cheating and stuff for people. There's, oh, the, everybody wants to be right. Like I'm right and you're wrong in the breakup of this relationship yeah. and this family. Yeah. When really it's like, look, you know, so what? I mean, I don't recommend <laughs> that plan. But at the end of the day, Clearly, this person doesn't want to be married to you. Anymore. I saw I saw one of your recent videos, Hannah, um, and of course we want to include links to all of your stuff because I want people to go and hear from you. You're great, but I think I think it was like if you want to save yourself a whole bunch of money in divorce, just say so what, and let's just stop fighting over all of the so what stuff because at the end of the day, like it doesn't, it, it is so what. Well, because it, if this other nation state doesn't want to be in, in treaty with you anymore. Yeah. Do you really want to be in that relationship? Yeah. Or do you want to make them, coerce them, force them, use a strong arm to keep them? Mm -hmm. mm -mm. Mm -mm. And if you had the personal growth and fortitude, and fortitude is the wrong word because I'm not thinking of like a fortress, just like a calm assurance in yourself. If somebody wants to leave, I mean, there's the door. There's I ain't going to even remotely try to hold your ankles and keep you if you don't want to be here. Right. So I think that I think that getting married from divorce lawyers, I don't know if that's the best idea, but I think we can see a lot of it. Because like I'll tell people, one of the reasons why I would hire me is because I'm divorced. So I bring that perspective of, look, I've literally been a litigant. I've literally been in custody modifications. I am, they're ongoing. And I know what it feels like to write checks to lawyers. I know what it feels like not to know what to do. Mm -hmm. I know what it feels like to show up in exchange and something crazy has happened and you don't know what to do. Do you call cops or not or what? Mm -hmm. I know what all that feels like. And so bringing, I try to bring that practicality into the whole thing and ask and my clients, I'm like, okay, 
So, and I just help the whole, down the whole line. So what, so what, so what? If we do that, if we do that, if we prove that you're going to spend, because they'll, they'll be mad at us later as the lawyers when they spend all that money and they don't have any That's satisfaction, true. they're mad at us. And so, well, it, it, because the truth is, and we see this all the time is that revenge as a goal, right? Really wanting somebody else to hurt because you're hurting, really wanting to punish somebody uh, because, because you're hurting, like it doesn't, it doesn't pay off. Like when you see them hurting, it's not like that actually makes you feel better. Now everybody's just hurting and it's not, you, you don't, you know, sometimes maybe there's a little bit of a boost, but it's not long lived and the damage that's done. Well, cause that's usually the parent of your children. Yeah. So when you hurt the parent of your children, even if they're the biggest mm -hmm in the world and they deserve it, maybe they, maybe they got it coming to them. You think to yourself, they got it coming to them. Yeah. But that's when you don't think of these little kids. When you hurt their dad or you hurt their mom, you're hurting them because that person is 50% of their literal biology. And so when you hurt the other parent and you maybe get vengeance, number one, you know, I always think of the old Will Smith song, like I think it's on Independence Day or something, uh, Men in Black or something. It's like, hate in your heart will consume you too. Like mm -hmm. that little line. I always think of that. I don't allow hate to take root no matter what, mm -hmm. no matter all the stuff that I've been through, even um, for all the circumstances, hate doesn't have root in my heart because it will Amen. burn me. It does. And, and you do this. And if you do that and your kids see you and your kids feel that when you are mean and ugly to their parent, you're mean and ugly to their heart, whether they say it or not. Mm -hmm. And they're watching. They they're they're y'all who are getting divorced and they're littles. They're going to get big. They will figure it out. And people told me that. God, I hated it when the kids were little. Oh, they'll figure it out. Figure it out. I'm be like, what does that even mean? No, no, they won't. When you're in the thick of it, you cannot um, feel can't it. See that? Yeah. When you're knee deep in mud and you can't move and you 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 are stuck, the idea that these kids that eventually truth will out mm. <laughs> um, is not that comforting. But let me tell you from your ghost of Christmas future that it does happen. And not because you, but you have to like, just have an open hand, right? Of like, not because I want someone to think bad about another parent, but you, but you do hope for these little people that they would, will see reality as reality versus a lot of cases now, a lot of people now, I know you see this, mm -hmm. we have so much gaslighting going on, so much borderline stuff, so much manipulation and this distortion of reality. It is lethal. It's lethal and it's really it's really kind of frightening because you have all all the children who are caught in the warfare of this and this is their norm. And they're I mean they're gonna grow up with that. And I, I think you raised some really, really valid points. I mean the truth the truth is what ends up. I mean it, it is, you know, we may not we may not see it in this in this immediate right now, but if you give it time, let let truth take hold in your heart instead of the hate. I love that. Yeah, because the thing about getting divorced, I'm just getting chills all the time we're talking. Um I'm sure people are watching this who need to hear some of this stuff. Um it's not the divorce that's gonna kill your kids, it's the conflict. Amen. And if you divorce well, you can give your kids such a lifetime of lessons on how to behave. And I tell guys, especially who are getting divorced and like good, I, I work with like, I say women and good dudes and some of my good guy dads love them. Um, and, and tell them you, you want to know how to make sure your kids are going to be all right. You want to show your kids how to be a man or how to be loved when, when she grows up, love their mom, mm -hmm. be kind to their mother. Children are going to love their, whatever kind of mess up things are going to be with their mom. 
So if you can treat their mother well, even if you're cussing her when you close that door to yourself and your kids are on the car and you're cussing, you screaming, throw your phone in the floorboard, I can relate to that feeling. But as far as those kids are concerned, you know, be sweet to their mother. And, and women, obviously this goes the other way for you, is be kind and supportive of their dad um, and don't run him down. My best thing I've done in my entire approach, this is not me as a lawyer, this is me as a person, is I've never made it cost my children to love their dad in my house. Mm. And that's not always been the same the other way around. Um, and But you also don't want to BS them. Kids are smart. You don't act like it's like flowers and roses, but allow your children to love their parents in your presence and around you. I, I think, I mean, jury's still out. Um, for me, if it's the right move, but it feels like the right thing to do. Oh, well, we know what the wrong thing is. I, I, I kind of want to hammer home a point that I, I'm just thinking about right now, which is, you know, people always come into the divorce process and they're, you know, I want to do what's best for the kids. Nobody says, I really, I want to, I want to make sure my children are messed up for this, <laughs> right? But then the things that people do, even if it's well-intentioned, there are some things can really end up hurting kids. I'm just, I think it would be good to have a conversation about what are some of the things that um, you see people do that, you know, they're not, they're not intending to hurt their kids, but they just don't know better. And I'll start off. I've got one. And that is, I hear oftentimes from parents that, you know, our kids deserve to know the truth about why we're breaking up. And so when I sit down and talk with my 10-year-old or my 12-year-old, you know, I want them to know that we're getting a divorce because, you know, their dad had an affair or mom had an affair. And, and I have seen time and time again that that is, um, that moment, that conversation is so devastating to the children that, I mean, we've had, we've had psychiatric, we've had a hospitalized children who've been on suicide threats. You know, we've had, I mean, like, like, it, it is so destructive to the character of who they are becoming. And so not everything is hugely grand. Sometimes it's just the, the, the back and forth um, and, you know, seeing the eye rolling. I mean, it's, it doesn't have to be words coming out of your mouth, but just the posture with which you're relating to the other parent. So yeah. what are kind of some of the things that maybe, you know, when we're, what do people need to be aware of? I mean, people who, who you know, are generally good parents and want to do right by their kids, but... You know, it's those it's those airing of those little frustrations and the contempt, showing of contempt. And it's hard because there are there is a spectrum of divorce. Mm -hmm. So like there's the kumbaya conscious uncoupling divorce, coupling divorce. And then on the other end you have War of the Roses. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I would have different advice. Um, right, because I think it's just such BS when people are like, oh, can't you parents just get along? Right? Can't you just behave for the sake of the kids? Why didn't you know? Why didn't I think of that? Why didn't right. I think about just right. getting along? <laughs> right? There, we're getting divorced for a reason, right? So, um, I think I want to I want to acknowledge that, especially for what I call long timers. For some of us long timers who are on a long journey, some of the things I'm going to say don't apply to us in the same way because it wouldn't work. Um, so, as a general rule, for like. I say run-of-the-mill divorces, meaning like it's not the War of the Roses. We don't have someone who's going to burn it down um, so you don't have it. We don't have someone who's willing to like, you know, annihilate your children's future well-being mm -hmm. to keep themselves warm or whatever. So in general, I think um, don't tell kids nothing except everything's going to be okay. 
and do that with the consultation of a therapist that is vetted and trusted. A um, oh, absolutely. <clears throat> a therapist, just some random therapist you Googled. No, mm. that is a flat no. But a therapist that your divorce lawyer, like Jen, would recommend to absolutely. you, that will work. Who can help support you and your partner, your about your X factor, I called him, you're about to be unpartner, in a collaborative, united front approach. All those kids should know, generally speaking. Now, I think it probably varies a bit in age because what you have to tell a 15-year-old and what you have to tell a five-year-old are very different. So age-specific, that's why you need a therapist to communicate to the kids, we love you. Everything's going to be okay. This does suck and is hard. And we're going to sit and learn how to heal in that together. Mm -hmm. We're going to rebuild different, but great. And that's all them kids should know. Who cheat on who? Who? I don't care if you were cheating on them in the bed, back bedroom while the kids were watching Nintendo, whatever. You do not tell children that their parent cheated on the other parent. They have no context. Are you also going to tell them about how you didn't come home for weeks at a time because you were traveling for your job? And they were left, are you going to tell them the full context? No, you're not. So you just want to lay blame and put the scarlet letter on somebody. I think that's BS. So I think keeping the kids in the consultation with the therapist, only knowing that they're going to be all right. I think the making it easy to love the other parent, like, like what does it, that look like? Yeah, look practically. Like? So like, for instance, if they're like, want to talk about something they're excited about from their dads or their moms mm -hmm. or this new toy they got over there or mom's new boyfriend or what Christmas we're going to this and maybe you're, uh, we're going to go to grandma, like, you know, the other parents, grandma's house and we're going to bake cookies and all you can think about is that, <laughs> you know, what mother-in-law of mine and she's going to talk shit about me and all uh, yeah. inside. But you know, what you express to that child, that sounds like so much fun. Not in a saccharine bullshit way, but in like a, you know what? Baking cookies with grandma is like the best. I am so glad you have so many people who love you. Yeah, That's it. You don't got to talk about how you feel about grandma. You don't got to talk about none of the rest of that. So it's like, or when they say good things about the other parent that you know to be in direct contradiction to reality, but this is the kid's experience. Don't take that from mm -hmm. them. Don't, well, oh, I'm glad he's finally starting to tell the truth now. Right. All right. I'm glad he's finally showing up at soccer games. I'm glad he, now, now he does all this stuff. Yeah. Now, now that he's like, got a new wife and new kids, yeah. I guess now he cares about his own. I mean, none of that. Just in, in practice. Okay. I'll give you some real advice. Basically make an avatar in your mind, a pretend person of your ex. Mm. And when you're, this is, I mean, I don't think I've ever said this out loud. This is what I do. Is in your mind, create a new person who, like a hologram of your ex and talk about that person. Mm. Like, oh, well, I know that your dad just loves and supports and only wants, or I'm sure he would have been there if, get their back, get that hologram's back. Get that the, back of the other parent. Of the other parent. You know, you know, I think probably let's give the benefit of the doubt here. I'm sure there was a situation that made it impossible. Like your dad loves you. Your dad cares about you. He only cut the call short. I'm sure there was a really good reason. Like have the back of, now, for some of us, long timers in particular, it is not possible to have the back of the actual person because of what they've done and who they are. And they are not getting better and they're awful um, for some people. And, but if you have a pretend person in your mind that you're talking about, that's a lot easier. Does that make sense? So like if you can't bring yourself to do it about the actual person, yeah. create a pretend person in your own mind and talk about that guy or that lady and that they're behaving 
and give them the benefit of the doubt. All of that, if it's so, but you can't. You also can't bullshit your kids. No, because they know. You've got they know. So you factor. So you really, you got it. However, it is that you're 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 coming at it from that place of authenticity. If your child is experiencing love and affection for the other parent, give thanks. That is a wonderful thing. Even if there's all kinds of other crap going on and they're going on a ski vacation, but they're two months behind on child support, you know, like you got to just, just be with your kid. This is not the time and place and say, well, how can they afford that? When I last, I heard X, Y, and Z. Well, and I think, and it's not easy. Oh no. I mean, remember, divorce will make you bitter or better, but it doesn't like deposit the better mm -hmm. in a big bank account of being a better person. Mm -hmm. You earn that shit. Mm -hmm. One little decision, one day, and, and people will, will tell you, you know, about healing after divorce. And this is all wrapped up in this. People say to me, you need to take some time to heal. Mm. And I'd say, but what does heal? What do you mean? How do I do it? Can I get a bucket of it? How do I get a bucket of healing? <laughs> uh, is there an ointment for that? Um, there's not. Yeah. It's one little moment, one little, sometimes, you know, people say like years, like, no, not years, not months, not weeks, not days, minute to minute, making the next right choice. So to me, that's how you do it. That's how you heal and you help your kids heal. You don't, it's overwhelming to think about going from total crap to spending Christmases together. Mm -hmm. But there is a, there's a journey that might can get you there. Mm -hmm. And it will take some time because time does heal if you let it. Uh, but taking those little tiny pieces and do one minute at a time. And that, it is hard. I, you know, it's funny as you're talking about this because... Um, there's a great tendency to go into a tit for tat, right? Like, so the other side isn't, they're not agreeable. They're not being flexible. They're being really rigid in the schedule. And so then, you know, you think, well, you know, screw you, then I'm going to be really rigid too. And all that stuff that you want to do, I'm not going to let you do that. And I think, I think you have to come back to the place of like, what is the right decision in this moment, right? What, what is best for the kids, not don't, when, when you are behaving in a way that's a reaction to who they are, you're giving them control. Mm -hmm. Like that is that you are giving them power in that moment to influence how you're going to behave. And instead you really have to like, just like X that out and just think, okay, you know, what, what is the next right thing? If this, if this weren't playing out, would I be somebody who would give a little bit of flexibility? Because I think then when you begin to show that little bit of grace, a little bit of compassion, a little, you know, you're stepping up and having their back, especially when you have teenagers, um, that you're going to increase the odds that they might actually reciprocate that. They may not. And if they don't. And if they don't. Oh, well. Oh, well. So what? You know, you did the right thing by your children. Well, I always say you have to be able to sleep at night. Mm -hmm. And I want to make the decisions that I'm proud of. Now, in the very beginning of divorce, I would say you stick to that schedule. Just my practical advice why everybody learns the rules, right, okay? Right. So I think that let's give that caveat. Like when you're in the temporary orders phase, the case is going on, stick to the rules in general as like that. I would more rather see you do that so everybody understands and it doesn't become all wooshy-gooshy all right. the time. Now, go forward. Divorce is final. It's been a year or two. Mm -hmm. Say yes when you can say yes. Say yes when you can say yes. Just make it. Make it, don't let you be the problem and your kids will respect that. Oh, but if I could, we could switch weekends with my dad and I could then go to the beach and uh, my friend is going, my other cousin is going to go. Da, da, da. Well, so, you know, he didn't switch with me before. That's right. 
Uh, so being the one, don't don't put your kids in that position. Oh, hey, switch weekends with me so the kids can go to some full, really cool football game. Just say yes. Your kids will. It will give them such relief that they don't have to navigate and deal around mom. And or, the other thing is, don't don't pass the messages back and forth between the kids. I people do that all the time. Mm-hmm. I think, and that can be really hard too. Yeah, I think I think that's a good rule of thumb. Um, in general, your point of if, if oh, this is a good a piece of advice is when you're married, you're very used to um, fiduciary level communication. They are your fiduciary in a marriage relationship, meaning they have to keep your best interest at heart. Um, the law requires it financially, right? So um, keeping the best interest of the whole or whatever. Um, now, and, and you're used to when you're married, communicating tit for tat, text, 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 response, responses all day. If you know, if I text my husband and I and he's on a hearing or something, I'm remarried. So if I text my husband and he doesn't answer me within about thirty minutes, I'm like, "What's going on? I need to know the answer to this question." Right? And we're used to that. When you're getting divorced, and particularly after divorce, you are not in tit for tat close relationship communication. I recommend think of business hours. What would be appropriate in a business situation? So you ask me a question on Monday at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. Unless it's urgent, right? It may be important. Is it urgent? Like that's the whole analysis you need to do. Tuesday, anytime on Tuesday is still like one business day. Right. If we're ever in court for you and we've got exhibits and one says Monday and one says Tuesday and he or she is grouching because you didn't answer something from Monday, but it was the next day. It was the next day. Even though that is can feel like a lot of hours. And changing that approach makes you wait a tick before you respond. So they say X in the text. People, they'll, they'll text me, my clients. They'll text me. Hannah, what do I say? He just sent me this. First, pin down. <laughs> say nothing. Like on one of my little videos is say less and say it slower. Yeah, yeah. Say nothing. Take a breath. Let's take a minute. Mm-hmm. Um consult with your lawyer if it's like really a big deal or otherwise give write something and let it be wait send it substantially later and yeah. most of the time you won't send what you were going to say because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you got to envision it's it, whatever you say like it's on the jumbotron at the mavericks game <laughs> and everybody's going to read it right they say like um uh dance like nobody's watching but text email message like it's going to be read aloud at a deposition or put up on the jumbotron at exactly the maverick game (laughs) the maverick game i like that that's great oh this is so fun like i i'm gonna have to have you come back and we're gonna need to do some more um deep dives yeah i think that you know divorce gets such a bad rap and i understand why it does it is they say death and divorce Mm-hmm. Like the two worst things you can go through. And some people say de- divorce is worth because they they're not gone. <laughs> um, this, yeah. Um, but I have to say, I'm so grateful for divorce because marriage, oh, and I'm not trying to be like too all in this, but over the years, people have had to stay married to people um, that were abusing them, harmful to them, financially abusing them, keeping them in the dark, mean, mm-hmm. just making them really unhappy for centuries particularly women, we had to stay. We couldn't even earn a living if we weren't married to somebody. There was no way to feed our children without that husband. I, for one, am extremely grateful that divorce is a tool that's out there. I think it's a tool, um, a liberated tool, that for those of us, look, and may, may those of you who've never made a rash or wrong choice be the first ones to cast stones at us 
who are willing to admit that we made a, a bad choice or the wrong choice at the time and that we are brave enough mm -hmm. to make a new one. I think divorce is the bravest thing that you can do because you're saying, you know what, I'm betting on me. Mm. I'm betting on my future and I'm betting on that whatever life's, because you don't know, you give up your hold on your identity. You give up your hold on the life you had planned. Nobody plans on getting divorced. I mean, for the most part. So you have to be brave enough to say, there's something better for me out there. I don't know what that's going to be, but it ain't going to be this. Mm -hmm. And I'm taking a step into the great unknown to make a choice that's better for me and for my kids. You know, if you're the one deciding that this is, of course, if you're the one deciding to get divorced. Um, and so if any of you are going through that and feel that you feel like a piece of shit because you're getting divorced and people tell me I feel like such a failure or my mm -hmm. second marriage or whatever um, it is, is ending. Just don't give yourself such a hard time. I think it means that you're really brave. And our whole point, we only have one trip around this mm -hmm. life, is to live a fulfilled and fulfilled and happy and full, joyous life. And if your current circumstances are not doing that for you, divorce may be one way for you to get on a path to get you there. Now, let's not rash like go filing divorce petitions or complaints, <laughs> of course. Uh, but it is a fantastic tool that I'm very grateful for that allows you to make a completely new start. Mm -hmm. And my entire existence began on the other side of it for me. I mean, I have my kids, of course. I would never undo that. But who I really am and me answering the question, what do I want? It's only my life. Mm -hmm. I'm living my life. You're living your life. Um, the producer's like, he's living his life. And you can only make that decision for yourself um, and what you want for you. And if you if you find yourself in a bad situation or a situation that isn't fulfilling you, divorce allows you to do that. That's what I say for you know, people going through divorce. Like, I don't want to you know, give this example of my kids. I'm like, look, you know, you're showing your kids that if you ever find yourself down a road and you're down a path, and you think to yourself, I don't know how I got here. I don't, what wrong turn, series of choices, you know, and I don't like this version. It's never too late to begin again. It is not. And I can't think of a better thing I would want my kids to know than it's never too late. And I'm thankful that what we do is get to help people make that choice. You can do it in a way that's respectful. It takes two to tango. It only takes one to fight. That's true. And sometimes you're in a situation, and, and I'm sorry for us who get in that situation, and we get the courts talk ugly to us, mm -hmm. like pox on both your houses. It's not like, I know y'all that it's not like that. And that sometimes it's just somebody's burning down and one person isn't. I, I think we see that a lot in our we cases now. Um, and and it's not always a two thing. It only takes one, of, one person to fight. Uh, but hopefully you can get to a lawyer like Jen um, and like our firm in South and Central Texas to help you end well. Absolutely. And a, and a good ending brings a great beginning. And I think you're a testament to that, Hannah, um, in the work that you do in your own life mission and the way that you've, you know, really used this to be to be that better person. And when we get to see that, it's one of the great privileges of being a divorce attorney is really you know, seeing people at one of the very, very worst moments in their life when they first come into our offices 
And then, you know, seeing them on the other side of divorce. And so often, you know, they I run into them, you know, a couple of years after they don't even look the same. They're just radiant and beautiful. And, um, you know, that's what, that's what happens when you're living a life of mission and purpose and really living into your own desire. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Yeah, you too, Jen. Thanks for having me on Thanks here. for coming. Yay. Yeah, we'll so we'll have fun. to do this again. It's been yes. a lot of fun. If you want to learn more about Hannah Henry Bell and about the Henry Bell Law Firm, we're going to include a link to her website. I also hope that you'll check her out on all the social media platforms. Oh. Because also they can check out our our podcast um, that my friend Kate Lincoln Goldfinch, who's an immigration attorney in Austin, does too. That's Law Moms Out Loud, where we have conversations just like this about issues facing, which we both share. We're lawyers, moms, and people. So we help moms grow as um, lawyers, moms, and people. So hopefully they can check out and follow. Absolutely. We'll, we'll include a link to that as yes. well. And I love to watch it. I mean, there's always- Oh, good, I know. We need to schedule good, you. Yes. Yeah. Good, good, good insight. Um, so anyway- uh, please hit subscribe, share, share this with friends who might need it. And thank you for tuning in.